Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. Back in March, we celebrated Women's History Month with a stellar lineup of female team members under this year's theme, Celebrating Women Who Tell Our Stories. Now we're well into April and we continue to work through our brilliant hit list of female talent at Framestore. This week, we invite special guest, Vancouver-based lead animator, Shuji Singhal, to take on the dailies. Joining us for this week's episodes as co-host is Mei Fu, Montreal-based 3D animator. This was another joy to record, so settle in and please enjoy episode 18, part one of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 18, part one. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's craft, work or career path, and we let the magic happen. We split each episode in two parts across the week. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast daily session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. On this week's episode, we continue our series of conversations celebrating Women's History Month. This year's theme is celebrating women who tell our stories. So we are very well placed at Framestore to have these discussions where we continue to spotlight women's achievements, increase visibility and raise awareness of roles, disciplines and different perspectives across our global community. Today, we invite lead animator Shuji Singhal to take on the dailies. A graduate of the College of Arts, New Delhi, Shuji has been in the industry for 14 years, starting out at LA-based studio Rhythm & Hughes, then at MPC Bangalore, Weta Digital New Zealand, then back to MPC at their Montreal base, joining the Framestore Vancouver team in January 2017. That's the CV. How about the shows? Paddington 2, His Dark Materials, Fantastic Beasts, Jingle Jangle, Mowgli, the list goes on. And joining us for this week's episode as co-host is Mei Fu, Montreal-based 3D animator who has come up via the tracking team from 2015. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me on this uh, podcast for today. No, it's really exciting to have you both. Thank you, thank you. I'm good too. I'm really honored to be here because uh, Shuchi is an amazing animator and so I can ask questions here. It's great. Yeah, I'm happy it's May because I have worked with her, so I'm like pretty comfortable amazing. talking to her. I mean, as soon as I uh, G-chatted uh, May, she was, uh, I had lots of explanation marks and emojis. I think she couldn't wait to, to get involved <laughs> in this conversation. So and actually, from a animation point of view, it's great to actually almost have a, a living, breathing career path here. So you've got your May here as animator on a career path to lead animator that should you you're currently uh, currently doing for a living. So it's uh, it's really I'm really excited for part two of this episode where where May gets to uh, take the reins and uh, grill you even more. Yeah, than, than <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I hope I won't screw up. <laughs> You won't, you won't. Yeah. Nobody ever does. You, you, you've listened to the episodes. You know they're great conversations. 
So, um, yeah, I guess we're here to continue our conversations uh, off the back of Women's History Month. So this episode will go out in April because I have such a massive list of incredible female talent all over Framestore globally that I'm keen to interview. So we thought we'd take the liberty of extending Women's History Month to Women's History Months. We're going to do March and and April. Um, so really excited to have you on the podcast, not just for Women's History Month, but also because you're you know, a, a totally amazingly accomplished uh, lead animator, Shriji. But I wanted to ask you what Women's History Month means to you personally. Uh, honestly, like, I have not like much on social media, like I'm not very active on social media with the news update and stuff, yeah. but I'm on LinkedIn and I, I just see like all these accomplishments with the women recently and they're being recognized for their work. And it's, yeah. it's like, it makes me proud. It, it just inspires me to like, you know, grow even more in this field because when I started off, there were not very, like they, it was not a very women oriented industry. Like I used to see like less leads and like there were very less women in the supervision roles like and the leadership roles and uh, by the time it has grown so much like it gives you hope like to be in this industry for a bit longer and like you can you can make it that's what I think it, it's really nice like to see more and more women and girls joining in this industry and I hope it continues because the ratio of women to men is still like I feel like it's not the same and it needs to bring to a level that okay uh, that it's comfortable because there are times when I, I've seen like when I started off like the ratio was like once to 10 like it's still like it was a very male dominated industry so I think every now and then to see those achievements it, it just it, it just inspires me yeah that's a really good point and at your point around not being on social media because I must admit the older I get the less time I spend on yeah. social media <laughs> but as as professionals in the world we do we do still yeah. exist on LinkedIn and yeah, LinkedIn, um, I think, is the my only social platform right yeah. now. <laughs> and, and the talent is out there. And I think uh, these these uh, months and, and, and uh, weeks and days that are kind of preordained celebratory days to celebrate difference are so important. Um, my personal view is it should be something we celebrate throughout the year, but it's important to have those stakes in the ground to recognize the fact that it is still uh, a very male-dominated industry. Um, but the talent is out there. I mean, why do you think... It is still so male dominated, should you just out of interest? What's your take on that? I just feel like the uh, industry, it's very demanding. I still feel like it takes a lot of like a lot of your work hours, like it's mentally and physically. And uh, I've seen people joining and then leaving like quite often. Like I feel like I've, my colleagues were there, like they were there for some time and then they took yeah. a break, then they came back. So there is always like a ups and downs. And, uh, but nowadays, like, I feel like the company support a lot, like women generally, like with their personal lives uh, and it, it, I think it makes a huge difference and things are changing, but, uh, it's still a bit of stressful industry, like with the deadlines and like a lot of working hours. So it, it's a choice I think people have to make. And that is the reason I feel sometimes like maybe. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you just want like a normal working hours, like nine to five, nine to six, but it doesn't happen like most of the time, like in the crunch, you ha you end up spending a lot of time on your work. That's interesting. Thank you, Shiji. And also, I mean, you've been in industry for a long time now. I mean, best part of 14 years. Have you seen improvements in that area? Because we talk a lot about the demanding schedules, working hours, particularly as artists and producers. But do you, do you see improvement? In the last I think years. I have been very fortunate I'll be honest with you like uh, I started off uh, in the industry like in a good studio like I was working with Rhythm News like in India mm -hmm. 
and they had a really great work culture like i don't remember doing a lot of overtime and stuff like that and that was that helped me grow like i was still passionate about them then and now as well and uh, so for me it it worked very well and uh, but i feel like i feel i don't think it's improved a lot i feel like the working hours has actually got like without because of the streaming st- mm. channels and everything like the yeah i feel like the deadlines have become even more smaller like what it used to be before because in feature we were able to spend like a lot of time working on our shows and the uh, hours were spread out like that but uh, now i feel like it's even more crunched sometimes yeah yeah because there's so much more work out there like you say it's not just yeah kind of and there's there's episodic. like tons of work out there i mean it's good for us but it, it's just yeah. like massive amount of work because the production value on everything now, it's all it's all visual effects, isn't it? I mean, yeah. every, everything you watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus or yeah, it's the you know, whatever streaming service. Yeah, it's the same quality as you see it in the theaters. Yeah. yeah, you need those studios. Yeah, no, I hear that for sure. Uh, May, what's your take? I mean, I'd love to ask you what Women's History Month means to you personally. Um, I I generally totally agree with uh, Shuqi, um, how she described this uh uh, the women work condition and uh, how how it's like when we work. Personally, I I don't think I have been treated unequally. I think uh, it's been pretty fair all the way in in my last twenty something years, uh, back from China and then in England. I'm now in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. And looking back, fifty years ago, one hundred years ago, then. I think positively is a huge, huge improvement. So I am all looking that way. But for sure, there's a, there's a lot of dis- disadvantage for women because the nature of our role in the society, people uh, having children, taking care of family, there's uh, lots of things has not been considered when women want to evolve in the career. Um, yeah. But in general, I think in Canada, the government policy and everything it's really good. I I don't really have much complaint. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thank you, thank you, May. And moving into uh, your your career, uh, Shuji, I'm I was totally taken by the amount of travel you've done. I mean, when I'm when I'm writing my intro, my over over complicated garbled intro, um, I and I exclusively talk about LinkedIn. It's all I use. I may look on I, I, IMDb, but typically I'm 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 limited to LinkedIn. And yeah, you've been all over. I mean, what's what, tell us a bit about that experience and how you've kind of maintained focus and adapting to different cultures and, you know, working life. Yeah, um, I think I was, we never planned on traveling so much, to be honest. Like, it just happened. Like, so I started off in India. I was, it was going great. Like, for five years, I was in the news. And, uh, but the company went under after that. So it it was like, you know, you have to move on kind of thing. And we were looking for options. And then NPC Bangalore happened because they just opened up in India for the animation department. And then I got this opportunity, uh, like, from my colleagues, like, because, and it was, again, like, for Alvin and Chipmunks. Like, I think that Amazing. that made our that made my career, that made me out of, like, in the world. Because uh, since we worked a lot of on uh, those Alvin and Chipmunks and Rhythm and Use, like since Veda, when they had this project as Alvin 4, like one of my mentors approached me and he was like, um, if you're interested, like you should yeah. travel and then just see the actual industry out there. And it was very, and like, I, I think it was very intriguing, like because 
first of all it's vedder like you have like you hear all these amazing movies mm. vedder has produced and you is getting that opportunity so that uh, and we were still young i feel like yeah. that time it was just very really exciting to move out of your comfort zone and go into another world it was not easy for sure it was a very different cultural yeah. shock like your first time in the foreign country like working there living there and it, it, it was a, i think i was intimidated by a lot of like things like just generally talking to people i was not too, i was very shy i would not approach people but i wish it was mm. different because i could have talked to like a lot of amazing artists back there and it was a very short time i was there in vera like 6 7 months and i think by the end uh, i was very comfortable because then i realized like people are all same they are very nice yeah. it's just i think you just have to be comfortable talking to them and there everybody is ready to help you and uh, mm-hmm. so slowly slowly you get the hang of that and uh, so when we moved to canada after new zealand i think it was very very easy like it took less of a transition to get comfortable with the culture and generally take talking to people and, yeah yeah cuz it's a big part of it isn't it the, uh, the 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 relationships and the networking and yeah. as you say going to new zealand and being a couple like wetter i mean the opportunity to network and make connections must have been huge but you know i, I understand you know when, when you're younger you I mean i was the same when i was coming up it was i was super shy i would say you know the thought of networking in any situation would ter- terrify me so it's uh It's, a, it's an interesting point point you make. I think I'm I'm still socially a bit awkward, but yeah. yeah, I think now it's getting better and yeah. better. <laughs> well, you worked on some amazing shows. I mean, I have to say on the podcast that my nine year old and and eight when he was eight was obsessed with the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. We went we went on holiday um, to Sicily last year, and for his downtime, he would watch Alvin and the Chipmunks films back to back. So he's oh, a big he's a big fan. Yeah, so he'll be thrilled. <laughs> Yeah, they were brilliant. Yeah, the uh, the squeaky voices would get a bit annoying, but they were they were good looking movies. So uh, yeah, it does like especially when you're doing lip syncing and you're hearing the voices. Exactly, those high pitched voices. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the shows as we go through the daily. So we should get stuck in, shouldn't we? Because we have the unwritten law of podcasts is we're not allowed to go over an hour or even like forty five minutes. So I think we should get into the uh, the dailies. But only if you're ready, Shuji. Are you ready to yes, kind of get into I the daily so. session? Right. Okay. Well, let's drop the dramatic sound effect. And we're into the dailies. And the first question is, which I think we've established, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Shuji, which is who where what? Who are you? Where are you? And what are you working on? Only if you're allowed to talk about it. Uh I think uh, you give a great intro. So I'm like I'm a lead animator. I'm working in Framestore Vancouver right now. And uh I I just I think we're wrapping up on a show like His Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So it's almost like the end of it for us in Vancouver. I know Montreal and London are still working on it and but yeah over here I think because uh there was a transition over here in Vancouver Framestore from Method to Framestore Pipeline so this yes. was like one of the first shows I I think we are doing an animation like proper animation and it went very well actually. So this was actually my first show with the Vancouver team as well. So it, it was nice. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of creature work in uh, the new Guardians show, right? Yeah, from what I've seen on the trailer. Yeah. It looks pretty good. It's amazing. Looks like a, a bit of a heart wrenching uh, ride from what I've seen in the whips and whatnot. Yeah, it's exciting, amazing, and uh, yeah. So fourteen years in the industry. How long of that at, at Frame Store did we say? 
I, uh, I've been at Framestore since 2017, January. So I was in Montreal first, like for five years. And then I moved to Vancouver. So like around two years. So almost seven, six and a half, seven. I think. Good, good. It's a good, it's a good turn. Excellent. Yeah. And from all the places that you've traveled. So one thing I didn't ask earlier about, uh, you've been LA, New Zealand, uh, Montreal, now like, you know, fully established in Vancouver. You know, uh, is Vancouver kind of like a home base for you now, or have you have you got itchy feet? Are you thinking about kind of uh, what's next, uh, kind of uh, on your global globe trotting journey? I think since you've traveled so much, nothing feels like home anymore. To be honest, like yeah. it, it's just like you don't know how long you're going to be there. So we just try to go with the flow, yeah, and see what happens. And because I feel like the times are changing, and it has changed a lot. Like especially after COVID, like I think it's very different. Like when you're working in a studio or you're working from home. Yeah. So it, it, it makes you think sometimes like really do you want to be here or like do you want to move back home or like yeah. because home is still I feel like India because all our families and friends like they're all there. Oh, okay. But I think like work-wise the industry is really good over here. Like opportunities are so nice. So and uh, it's still growing and we are getting like a lot of good projects and frame store. So I just like I think we just go with like whatever happens we yeah. see where the cool work is i guess <laughs> yeah and, and when you say we are you go are you have you got a family in tow or yeah who do you uh travel i have my partner with? here like uh me and my partner we are just here it's just two of us excellent excellent i'm sure he's loving the uh, the globe trotting i'm sure he's happy to be uh, i mean vancouver is a lovely a lovely city isn't it it's a beautiful part yeah i like vancouver actually it's nice it's not that cold as montreal so that's like <laughs> a plus point for me yeah so it's very beautiful as well so it's nice yeah i hear about the uh the, the weather in montreal i'm sure may is sick of hearing about we're sick of seeing snow has the snow gone now may have you uh, <laughs> are you free of the arctic tundra not yet still lots oh, of snow God. outside we, we, we had a glimpse of it yesterday in london but it, it doesn't last very long anymore it's gone within an hour yeah yeah it's just it's, rain. Yeah, it's the yeah. same here i think we get like two days of snow it melts in like a day and we just see it on the mountains now so it's it's kind of nice yeah no i do i, I don't like to go on about snow too much to people from montreal because i know it is a bit of a a, a sore a sore <laughs> subject which we won't get into so the, the next... but i was there for five years like and i mm. think like you get you, you never get used to it like to the snow and the weather over in montreal because even when i talk to the quebecers over there they're like yeah we still don't like it that much yeah they're not they're not fans <laughs> Uh, so should you what would you consider to be the big break in industry for you because when we talk about big break we always think the first job or the first entry into industry you know whether it's starting as a runner or starting as a junior animator but when for you was the the big moment in your career that you would consider to be the break i just got very lucky with the people mm. i was surrounded with and who i was like studying or working and everything so I, my big break was actually by uh, first apprenticeship program in Rhythm and News because uh, Rhythm and News, I was in India and they used to do this uh, training programs every six months or every every year for the new batch of animation where they select people for training and then they teach them, they train them for two months and then after that, if uh, based on your performance, you get hired as like an employee. So that was something like a big break for me because I never knew animation like I knew in RNH. I think I learned everything over there. So I never had a formal education in animation as such before that. Okay. So, so that you... was like, yeah, that was like my big break to just be there. 
So it's almost an apprenticeship of sorts, isn't it? Almost literally you got your break at Rhythm and Hughes and did your learning yeah. there rather than doing a big inflated visual effects degree yeah. or anything like that. I never, because in India, we never had like a proper, uh, at that time, like any animation college or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I was doing like some uh, like course, like it was more like studying softwares and like 3ds Max, Maya and stuff like that. But uh, because of that, I got to got to be in touch with the people in the industry, like who are already working in the studios and like Rhythm News was like one of the big things that time. Yeah. So there were some ex uh, pass outs of that institute who referred to me in those uh, apprenticeship program. And that's how I got like my big break over there. Brilliant, brilliant. It's a, it's a great studio Rhythm and Use, so a great, a great place to start, I think. And, and what a career. I, I think mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, very, uh, you know, I always find it's quite interesting. I've been having quite a lot of recent conversations on the podcast about career paths and how when you look at LinkedIn, sorry, if, we're not sponsored by LinkedIn, by the way, listeners, but you know, if you're on, <laughs> when you're on LinkedIn and you see, I know, you see people's career journey, it looks like super yeah. linear. It looks like there is literally, you go from kind of entry level to junior to mid to senior to lead, but some in between all of that, there's quite a squiggly career path for a lot of people. So they don't necessarily experience that. Oh, I'm going from this bit to this bit, you know, to working their way up that ladder. Has that been the case for you? Should you, has it been a linear career path or have you had lots of kind of peaks and troughs and curveballs along the way? I think, um, again, like, I think I was very lucky with like, um, with me, he was like, it, I, I did not, when I joined that place, I, I just wanted to learn animation. I just wanted to work in the industry, like to work on those amazing creatures and like movies. And that was the exciting part of it. So I never thought of it like I'll grow it into a senior or grow it into a lead or stuff like that. But it just happened because we were working there and like, and it, it, it was like the management wanted you to grow into that role. Mm. So eventually, I think after a time, even if you want to grow, like as an animator as well, like I feel like it's nice to take some responsibilities at some point so that you can push yourself to do even more out of like whatever whatever you have learned to pass it on or just to like grow in to, pay, to get even more challenging work. So I think that happened very well, like in RNH. In RNH, I could say my curve was very linear, like it, it went on like up. But after that, like I think when you change the jobs, like or you change the studio, or go to another place, it takes some time to establish yourself again into that curve. Yeah, that's true. So, so when I went to MPC, like it was a very new team over there. And they, for a year, I think we did not get any work as such in the studio as well, because it took some time for uh, the studio in London to trust us with work. So when we got it, like, I think I started off as a senior animator again there, but by the end, I again took that lead position for a short bit and then better happened. So again, I had to go back as an animator because yeah. you, you're not going to go in there as a lead for sure. That's so, and I was okay with that because I think when you, in India, being a lead is, was very different, but when you go into the outside world, like in the actual industry, it was very different. Yeah. So when I joined Framestore, I started off as a as a senior artist again, and I think I learned so much like in this place. Like, and uh, I never thought I'll be a lead in Framestore as well. So it it just happened again. Like they asked me one day, like, do you want to try it out as a lead position? And I think I said no for a couple of times yeah. because I was not <laughs> very confident about it. 
and then uh, Kyle, like HOD in Montreal, he asked, like, do you just want to try it for a show and see how it just goes? Give it a go. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think that would be great. I don't mind, like, giving. I have done it before, but it's very different when you do it, like, in in a in, in a place where the entire work is happening in the studio, like, entire feature is happening in the studio. Because earlier we just used to do like one sequence or like small sequence shared with some other locations. But this one, um, my first break was like as a lead was on his dark material. That was like a very big show. But the team was amazing. So I think that helped a lot. And so it has been a lot of ups and downs. And I'm pretty sure if I was move if I was not moving to Framestore Vancouver, I would have started off as again like as a senior animator, probably yeah. in some studio. Such an interesting take on the career path because when I think about kind of curvy career paths, I think about almost, uh, you know, I didn't get that role, so I bounced to this one, or you know, or a life event happened, so I had to take a break. Or and actually, yeah. I love the idea of you moving from studio to studio, and like you say, you you have to establish yourself, so you kind of reach a certain point in your career in that studio, then for whatever reason you move to the next studio in another country, in your case, and then you have to establish yourself again. So it's almost it's kind of really curvy career journey yeah. in terms of constantly having to establish yourself and then get the opportunities like you've had with the opportunity to lead lead on shows which I think is uh, is great do you regret not taking those earlier lead opportunities now or no. do you think it will happen for a reason I don't think so I don't think you I regret anything yeah because uh I think there's a time for everything and I, I when I took that position I think I was kind of prepared and I knew the team and I knew everybody who was working with so it was very comfortable and they were very supportive out of it. And my supervisors and uh, in Framestore were really amazing. So that helped. Awesome. That really helped me a lot. Such an interesting answer. Thank you, honestly. That's why, again, I say on every podcast, I, l- I learn something new every time I do these. And that, I, that, that, that concept of not a squiggly career path but a curvy one is a game changer for me so i'm going to be bringing that up in future episodes and also uh, his dark materials so you would have worked with russell dodgson i imagine who was on a previous uh, podcast yeah but uh, yeah I, I i think like um we never worked directly because yeah, i was course, just yeah. like one of the leads so it was career. i was dealing with mostly the animation supervisors on that show so uh, but I know he was there and it, it was a great show. Yeah, I heard, I mean, uh, the reason I, I bring up that podcast is uh, Russell was talking about the team a lot and how the, right. it was a brilliant team across all three seasons. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to have that link. Nice call back to a previous episode, uh, should you? Mm. You should check it out if you haven't already. So I'm going to move into a question that I'll ask both of you. So, uh, May, you can kind of rejoin the conversation. Uh, and the question is... Uh, What's the best thing about being part of Framestore? It's the self-styled cheesy question about what you love about this company. Um, should you, if you want to kick us off and then I'll, I'll hear from me. I, I think with, uh, I know everybody says the same thing, but it is the people yeah. like, you know, uh, that's what had made me stay for so long. And also I feel like the work Framestore gets is very varied. And uh, that's sometimes very, that's really exciting. Like you get to choose like the projects you want to work on. And if, if it's possible with a time frame and like if it works out then i always try to request for a show like something which i want to work yeah. on which is like something different what i worked before so i think that's what made me like stay at framestore for so long like the people are amazing over here like it, yeah. it's one thing i feel like that is the most important thing to be in the industry when you are in a, such a creative industry you want to be surrounded with like talented and like amazing artists of course 
Yeah, yeah, it is a, it's such a great team out there. And talking about the shows, you talk about re- requesting to work on shows. I mean, you've worked on some staple frame store shows. You've worked on Paddington, Paddington 2 anyway, uh, His Dark Materials. You've worked on um, Fantastic Beasts. I mean, is there a, uh, a wish list show? Is there, I mean, what's next for you? I, I know you can't talk about what you're working on in the future, but what is there a kind of wish list type of show you'd want to work on in the future? Uh, I think I would like to work on something a bit more like Paddington, like probably yeah. because I have been working on realistic creatures for quite some time now. So I just yeah, want course. to like have that kind of change. But uh, we'll see. It depends on how the like the deadlines, the project lines comes around and what is there in Vancouver and yeah. depends on all that. So I just put out my word like <laughs> and see if that works out. Just get it here but, on the podcast now. So you yeah. <laughs> listen and they'll remember on those dream shows. But yeah. you've, you've got a lot of great shows under your belt. It's amazing, really. And what about you, May? What's the best thing about being part of Framestore for you? Uh, for me, at first, I can't agree with more, more about what she said. It's about the people. Uh, it's so great that people are so hard hardworking and uh, we just watch everyone and get inspired in a yeah. daily basis. Um, something more I want to say is Frame Store is like a mini version of the world. So mm-hmm. we have people from all over the world. We have number of 20 something countries. Uh, there's one time that they did a calculation. Mm-hmm. So it, we, 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 we're like a multicultural society. Yeah. So the life is it's generally it's interesting. So we have conversation, we, talk, we share about the stories back to home countries. We share food from our home countries. Mm. We have potluck every year and uh, we just eat all different food and it's just so amazing. And this is, I appreciate this a lot. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad we have the food question at the end of the podcast, which is uh, was, no, was no accident. You know, we're like Everybody loves talking about food. But you're right. I mean, it is such a diverse business, isn't it? I mean, even just uh, in the London studio. I mean, I think uh, Amy Smith did a account, and I'm not going to quote the number, for, well, I forget, but it's something like 30 to 40 plus different languages are spoken in the London studio alone, let alone the rest of the, the global community of eight studios all over the world. So yeah, it's a great, both great answers. Everybody says the people, of course. Um, I'm still waiting for one <laughs> guest to go, uh, the coffee or the, <laughs> you know. No, that's not that great. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't shout about the coffee. But uh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely right. Why should it be any different? Um, so uh, should you, what's the, the next question is on, uh, still on the shows actually, is if you could, I'm going to change the question, I think, because uh, the question is, if you could recommend one show that showcases Framestore at its best, what would it be? I'm almost going to reframe it to the frame store show you'd show to an alien that truly demonstrates what, sh- what frame store does. I mean, what would what would be the one show you'd pick? And I know it's a hard question, but I don't know. What have you got? Yeah, I think it is a very hard question, but um, I can be biased because I worked on it. But I think his dark materials, like season one, like yeah. like generally, like all the seasons, mm-hmm. it, it truly reflects because there is so much varied, like vastity of uh, creature work in there. And the quality is so good. Like, I feel like it, it truly reflects because I know when I was joining Framestore, Framestore was known was like to be like a creature yeah. studio, like creature work studio. And his dark materials truly reflects that. Like there is like amazing, amazing work. Yeah. And it sh- showcases like even like I haven't seen like the last season yet, but I know there is like certain like big chaos, like of creatures, mm. like everybody's fighting and it was amazing. 
yeah there are so many creatures in that i mean it's you're yeah. right it's not the first time it's come up as a uh, as an answer to this question <laughs> okay <laughs> that's good i was like i worked on it that's why i'm not saying it but yeah. it, it's, it's really nice. but, but the creature is the stuff i mean that we're we're famous for so much but yeah i mean as a creature animation character animation house we're, we're, we're second to yeah. them for sure and uh yeah, HDM is just a great, great example of that because it's so there's so much bonkers stuff in there and so many creatures. It must be an absolute playset for an animator to uh, get involved with. Yeah, and I think for episodic, it was like a truly like a quality mark. Like um, yeah. they did not compromise on the quality, and it was really nice to watch it. Yeah, excellent. What about you, May? I'm going to ask you. Do you want to throw in a Frame Store show that truly exemplifies what Frame Store is all about? Yeah, I. I would, let me, I'll pick the Jungle Book. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think this is first, it's, it's my first creature animal kind of uh, show. So yeah, that's one reason. Secondly, I think uh, Jungle Book is also, there's so many different type animals and they need to be so realistic. Um, it was a huge challenge and um, for like all the department and uh, we have, worked on that for a few years and the result was was great i know some people seems don't like it as much it didn't have a, a, a great reputation at the end but for animation i think is 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 one of the landmark that frame store did mm-hmm. and i also really enjoy it and Suchi has worked on that show also i did yeah yeah, yeah. that was my first show in frame store when i joined yeah mowgli yeah it's a great <laughs> That was another great show. A lot of creatures there. Great, both great examples. So, for for a lead animator, Shuji, what's a common myth about your role? You know, what do people often get wrong about the role of lead animator? I feel like I, I mean, I can just talk about generally, like as an animator. I, I feel like a lot of people think like we can draw really well, and ah. uh, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't draw at all. Amazing. Probably I can draw some circles and just to get the idea out, but I don't think we can like. I don't think every animator can draw very well in 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 VFX, so that is like a very common myth. Because everybody, anytime I go around and they're like, "Oh, you must be drawing very well," like, no, that's great. <laughs> I don't that's have great. those skills. <laughs> it's funny, and isn't also, it? I think like, yeah, people think like we can meet a lot of actors like on the set or something like that. Like whenever I go, say like in the normal like common world, like, "Oh, you must be meeting that actor on the movie you worked on," like, no. We are just sitting behind the system. <laughs> Since your name's on a credit sequence, so like, yeah, you're, you're yeah. hanging out with uh, with all the talent. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not sitting at home on the box, you know, doing sitting in dailies. That's so cool. And yeah, you're right, you know, because we all get, you know, there's so many roles that have artists at the end of their job title. And I would say, from the conversations I've had over the years working for various studios, is 50 percent of them literally don't know how to, you know, work a pencil and a, and a pad. You know, it's all technical. Yeah. Technical. It's all, you know, it's all software based and. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting. I love that. Well, we have to get you to some uh, some life drawing classes, Shuji, and start flexing <laughs> those uh, those drawing skills for sure. The funny thing is, I actually studied like fine arts in college. Yeah, like, I, know, I, I saw that. In your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to draw at that time, but I think with time, I just lost the practice of it. And since there's no deadlines or assignments to draw anymore, so just like stop doing it. <laughs> Brilliant! What oh, a great answer. So moving into lessons learned, Shuji, what what is the what's been your most uh, important lesson that you've learned in your your fourteen plus year career? Um, I think all these years I have learned that 
you should not be scared to answer uh, like to ask questions to mm-hmm. anybody around you and also like you should not be scared to show your work to your colleagues at any point of time like because i think like what helped me grow was like uh, whenever i was animating uh, like at, after a point like your eyes get tuned to like certain kind of things and you don't see it so it it like i'll always poke my buddy like sitting next to me or like any my not my leads or supervisors but just my colleagues over there and just showing them like how does it look and is there anything i can improve on i think that's that's something i would i think i have learned over the years i even ask my junior sometimes just to show like right. yeah like you know like what do you think is just to get their point of view and it has helped a lot and uh, I think another thing that I've learned over the years is like to get a little less attached to your work. Like mm, I know okay. if we are artists it's very hard to do it, but I've I mean I'm still attached to whatever I do, but I think I've reached to that level that I'm not too attached that I'm going to cry over by deleting or changing my shots anymore. Yeah. Because if you don't do that you will be stuck in that for a long time and then you won't be able to get like something whatever is asked like from a director or like the changes you have been asked to do it becomes very difficult yeah. if you get too attached to it don't get too attached like you still need that some level of attachment to do like your work passionately because I, like to be honest we can't be like detached for sure but yeah i think you have to let go at some point is that because i you know obviously i hear about certain sequences being cut from shows because the director thinks it doesn't it's not going to work or and it must be so difficult especially if you're starting out to work so hard for months and months yeah. and months and months on a shot for it not to make the final scene and just be a deleted scene or even not ever see the light of day so to build that resilience to go to accept that it probably is for the greater good of the the film yeah and let you know not get too attached i mean that's great advice i mean that's a great lesson to learn but it must have been a hard lesson to uh yeah we always learn the hard to. way like I, <laughs> I remember like uh my first show as a lead was on life of pi and uh we were working on the sequence like for two three months and uh when we went to watch the movie it was not even there oh no so you didn't even know before you watched so we didn't even know that the sequence has been omitted from the movie and it was such a shock oh my like God, to I'll see it on the big screen you were waiting and like it, it never happened nowadays we know in advance like okay yeah, this has been omitted but uh that time like so you learn the hard way i think over the years that this could happen <laughs> yeah my words yeah i'm glad i'm glad you get advance notice now i mean yeah that's yeah. tough that's tough <laughs> i mean that's... it's not it's not still very helpful but yeah you're mentally prepared still sucks <laughs> it still sucks no oh, no i mean again great advice again it's just not getting too attached not getting too precious it's hard though if you're creative i mean they're like your babies aren't they these these you know this yeah this work that you've kind of you know you've worked on so diligently over the over you know periods of months how about uh, mentoring um should you who would you who would you consider to be your most important professional mentor again casting your your mind back over the last 14 years of what is a, an illustrious career yeah i think um again like i i've been surrounded by amazing people like uh, who had supported me all the time but uh, there if i have to pick few names uh, initially when i started off in resume news like uh, so there was this one mentor who has uh, come down from la mm-hmm. like to take their apprenticeship program his uh, his name was andrew par and uh, he he was my mentor for a very long time because even after the apprenticeship program was over when he went back to la he kept in constant touch with me oh, he awesome. made sure that i was uh, like even when i moved on to production he would uh, like 
be, even if you were not in the same show like he would keep like asking like keep checking my work or advising on things so that that really helped like took me for me to grow i think i learned everything from him in the initial stages of animation and i really owe it to him because even i when i got my break in new zealand like in wedai it was because of him because he oh, referred referred me over there so uh, i really owe it to him like my career i think and after that when in, and i joined frame store um i want to mention like he's not there he's not working at frame store anymore but uh, he was my lead on mogli and uh, few other shows like hinadi mm-hmm. and um, he he has a very different sense of mentoring like very different approach of mentoring so i learned a lot from him like just looking at his work or his style of work mm-hmm. and um, I, i think sometimes you don't need a like person to teach you directly but just looking at your work looking at his work and how he approaches things you can learn yeah, a lot that's interesting uh like i was used to look at my supervisor's work my like all always there in montreal i think I think I learned like a lot of technical things, like how to make your workflow even more precise. Mm. So there has been people like all over at certain stages and in certain times, like in different shows. I learned a lot of things, like even from my juniors. I think I sometimes just ask them. You mentioned that, yeah. That. You talk yeah. about sharing work with juniors as well. I think it's so important to have that almost reverse mentoring. Where I mean, we teach it a lot on the global mentoring training that we do. Is you know. you can learn so much from somebody who's just entered industry as much as somebody who's been in the game for like 20 plus years because they're all yeah. different perspectives and made to your point you were talking about the diversity of the business you know you get lots of different takes on on the work particularly creative work there must be uh yeah there must be so many kind of you talked about mentor two types of mentoring there should you you talked about kind of almost the the mentors uh so at rhythm and hues who had your back and put you forward and coached you along and then the mentors who just inspire you to be better because you're just you know seeing their work or seeing them at work or seeing how they operate within the pipeline and i think that's uh that's super exciting isn't it to have so many sources of inspiration it is true like i think once you're in production like everybody is very busy so you cannot expect a person to take out that so much time to yeah. just like handhold you anymore exactly. but then you just have to be like intuitive enough to ask questions and and no, nobody says no and that's the best part in frame store everybody's ready to help so if you are curious yeah. enough to ask if you know how if you want to know how things are done you have the answer absolutely and this is a not, not the first appearance of the word curiosity on the podcast it comes up on every podcast the power and strength of asking questions it's huge absolutely huge what about you may would you cite anybody as a uh, as a big mentor in your your career thus far uh for me i i will shout out to many many teachers i had uh, along the way uh, even from elementary school and all the way university and uh, and of course the the people in frame store that we we working with every day they just watching their work and everything's mm-hmm. just is the best study <laughs> Yeah. Uh but for teachers I I do have like to mention there's I have a fine art teacher in uh, Dawson College when I finally made this career transition to the VF VFX so he's just so amazing that she he would go all the way out of his work and he would put so much more effort than just a regular teacher so his name is uh, GCP Dilio 
So he's a fun art teacher, and uh, so we, we're still friends. And he always, I always refer him to as my favorite person in Montreal. <laughs> so yeah, so he's so inspiring. He he already retired now, and but he's still doing exhibition every year, and yeah. uh, working really hard still. That's great. The strength of great mentors is that you stay in touch with them. They become friends for life, don't they? In many ways. Yeah. So I think that's great. That's a great story. Thank you. So. Coming up to one of my favorite questions on the podcast in the dailies, and it is, um, what's, what's an underrated tool that's indispensable for your job, Shuji? What's one that is a non-obvious tool? <laughs> I don't think, um, I don't know if it under, I'll call it underrated, but there are like certain tools like I use in Nanim Toolbox. I don't know how many people use it, but there is a tool like to clean keys and like to remove static keys. So okay. I'm, I think I have a bit of OCD, like with the, with having keys every frame. So whenever I see that, I, it kind of like hurts me. So, so before starting or any, if I get somebody else's file or something, I just do use those tools to like clean it up first, because I have a habit of scaling curves and something, and you get the frames and subframes. And I think those tools help me like just to get like a cleaner workflow before I can start my show. Like I can shot. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, probably more of a rated tool then for you rather than underrated then, Shiji, for I your so. to cater to your OCD. <laughs> I don't know how many people use it, but like maybe everybody's using it. But yeah, for me, those are like really helpful. Excellent. Excellent. It's noted now. I'm sure everybody will go and find out about how, how, to, how to work with that for sure. And what's a, a piece of advice you'd give to somebody starting out in animation? I mean, it's great we've got both of you both working in the same discipline on this podcast, so you can both answer this actually. So a piece of career advice for either somebody within Framestore who's looking to follow your career path, or it could be somebody listening listening externally who's looking to p- pursue a career in animation. What's one killer piece of advice that you'd give them? Um, I think I'll say, like, to be curious for sure. Like, if you're jumping into this field, you should be ready to uh, observe, first of all, like, because animation is such a visual thing. Like, sometimes when you see the piece of animation and you know it's not working right because... Yeah. You just have that eye for it. So if you look around more things and if you just observe, then you will know the way the particular thing is moving. So that that helped a lot. Like just like if you if you keep looking at the dog running and you, you know if you're animating and if it's not looking right because you know in your conscious that how does it mm-hmm. move. So I think that is something that helped. And um, also I feel like it's a fun fun job like I still feel like animation is supposed to be like a fun job so don't be too scared like just keep animating and you'll get there at some point but uh it's it's all about practice like and uh, you can develop the skills like if you just keep doing it again and again but and have fun with it like it's still animation I think we should have fun with it yeah. yeah, somebody said on, a, I can't remember who said it on a previous podcast, but almost like, don't try not to take it too seriously. You know, try to, yeah. you know, we're making amazing visuals for super fun movies, you know, try and take joy in it. Um, right. What you said there about understanding visuals, understanding movement, understanding how things work, you know, rather than it just getting so lost in the software, almost understanding, exactly. you, know, see, yeah. you know, watch kind of, I don't know nature documentaries or how animals interact with each other or go to the zoo or I don't know uh you know just study you know life that's in front of you I guess in terms of because animation is everywhere isn't it it is yeah it's great advice I love that um May how about you you know you've been in animation for some time now what's some advice that you'd give to our thousands of listeners 
to the French 2 podcast. Yeah, I, I would take another perspective after Sushi said from the animation side. I think it's, uh, it's very important to take care of your health, yes. mental health and physical health, because it's a really competitive industry and we need to yeah. work very long hours on the chair. So mm. buy a good yeah, chair. True. Put your one month salary a and get a advice. good chair. I've not had that one yet. Yeah, not, nothing's more chair. expensive than your bag. <laughs> I know. When it goes, it goes. You're screwed, aren't you? I totally agree. I think like now that's why people are spending too much in the standing desk and it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this is my my input. Uh, uh, have a spot, doing a ha- have a spot habit and doing some kind of workout. Yeah. So be physically active. It's really, really, really important. Yeah, particularly working from home, like with the whole hybrid piece, because, you know, we're looking now, we're starting to get, most of us getting back into studios. But I find when I work from home, I am static. It's terrible. And I get up, and I'm getting old now, I'm in my late 40s. So when I get up, I'm like, oh, I'll make all the noises. And <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm really aware of it when I work from home. So I find like I'm, I'm static, whereas when I'm in the office, I've got an excuse to get up or, you know, interact and there's more people around and I, can, I don't have to, I'm not doing all my meetings sitting at my desk. I, I'll go to rooms and suites. And yes. That's yes, great yes. advice. <laughs> get a decent chair, people. If you're listening, invest, <laughs> invest. I'm not going to, don't want to get into trouble with expenses and finance teams, but, you know, get a decent chair. Amazing. Uh, Shuji, another one of my favorite questions here, um, and it'd be int- I'm very intrigued to hear how you'll answer it, but what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? Or have I covered all bases? I think you covered most of it, but I wish like, um, I think one question you could have asked, like maybe like what is like my favorite show? Like I worked in Framestore, uh, which I really enjoyed working on it. And I think for me, it's uh, Timmy Failure. It's, it's oh, not I a saw very popular that on movie. Your... I have not yeah. heard of that film. I, why yeah. haven't I heard of it? Has it not been I think, pushed out? I think it's it, it's a really cute movie. Like it's it's a fun movie, like to watch with your kids or like generally as a like I think as a grown up also you should watch that movie. Because when I was first uh, told about that show, it was not like a very popular show or anything mm. like that. Like it was a very small, like a Disney show and Disney film, yeah. when a manager told me about it, I, I was like I think I want to work on that show because the story sounded really nice. It was like, it sounded like a very fun show. And I think I had like the most fun working in the studio on the show. The team we had, like me and May worked together on that show for the first time. Ah, brilliant. And uh, the team we had on that show was like such a nice team. We had like, I think eight or 10 people and animation just sitting in like in one row and you would just talk and like you just turn around our chairs and, and the, quality of that show came out really well like I think we we spent like we had fun with that show I feel like we had a lot of fun working on uh, on total on that uh, movie and I really enjoyed it it was a very lear- like good learning curve for us and yeah, yeah. we had fun yeah. I think it was the, it was a very after a very long time we had fun working on a movie in the studio yeah and such so this is show is uh, is the show I I get to know you because you know yeah. it's the first show we work at the same team and i remember the the shots you did i was just watching it over and over again i was just thinking <laughs> how did you did that <laughs> i was just like oh. i think when you really uh, enjoy a show like when you know the movie is like good you're into the story of the movie you put in like even more of your efforts to make it look amazing 
that's that's what I feel like. Awesome, awesome. I need to check this show out. You know, I, when I was doing my research, I saw it on your LinkedIn and your IMDb page, and I thought I've never. It's a Disney show. I think show. you will wow, love it. I think the movie is really Plus, nice or... too. Like, um, it, it, it's a very different kind of humor. It it's slapstick, like, and it's like the boy is really cute in that movie. And uh, I really enjoyed watching. Well, considering my son is already a fan I think of your he might work, like it actually. With, uh, yeah, you know, and he's getting away from He'll the enjoy movies. It. And... Yeah, he will enjoy it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm definitely taking uh, that nugget home with me when, uh, or at least at the weekend, when I get some cutie <laughs> with the family. So that's great. What a great answer. Thank you. Um, so we're moving into the final kind of uh, questions of uh, part one of our episode today. And uh, my next question is. Who would you like to hear from on the podcast next and why? Who would you like to be sit in the hot seat? Um, I, I don't think I have any name in my mind, but I would like to hear somebody like from in concept art or like previous department because yes. I, I would just like to hear from them, like the, their take on how they, because we never get to interact with those people. And uh, I would really like to know what their take on like AI and uh, how do they feel about it like with the new mid journey yes. stuff like and it will be interesting to hear like from from concept artists well i've got plans to get the art department on i'm talking to jenny at the moment about getting uh, some of uh, the the the, uh, the art department concept artist folks on they're, they're a super interesting bunch and yeah the the uh, the ai piece is so yes. interesting as somebody who is a I, I, I was a freelance illustrator for years. Um, I talked about it a lot in my FTV thing when I started. Um, so I'm super interested to see, you know, what artists think yeah. about, you know, the, the, the robots taking over their craft. Just kind of terrifying. I it have is. a view, but I'm not going <laughs> to, it's too late in the episode for me to get into that, but it's a great, it's a great take. Uh, how about you, May? Who would you like to hear on the podcast? I'm gathering names, getting my hit list together. Um, I I think I'm thinking about animation supervisors. Um, I don't particularly thinking who. I think any any supervisors, if they are not super busy, they like to take okay. this. It's going to be great because um, it's a really difficult job, and it needs so much talent, uh, communication, animation, and uh, and it's also really stressful. No, I, I want to hear you know how they get there and how they handle those daily stress and stuff. Excellent, well, too great, and I, I like I like big broad answers. It means I can I can attack whole departments rather than individuals. So, thank you both. So, final but one question, because I got my kind of surprise question at the end. But this is the question. This is why people listen to the podcast. Of course, <laughs> they want to hear about lead animation experiences and all the amazing kind of software related questions. But what they really want to hear is if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, should you? What could you exist on for eternity? I don't think I will survive for too long if I had to eat the same thing every day because I love food. I love to cook. And um, yeah, but for the time, like till the time I die, probably of boredom, I think I can survive maybe on sandwiches, like just give me bread and if I, if I can change the fillings every day, I can oh, improvise I see what you've on done it. There. I see what you've done there. Yeah, yeah, you can mix it up. Well, I'll tell you what, you can have, you can have sandwiches. What, so what kind of bread are we going with here? You can't just say sandwiches. So let's say, what is there a type of bread? Are we I think I can go bread? with focaccia, going... probably. Or focaccia. Yeah, because it has flavor. At least it's not bland. Even if you give me bread, I think I can be fine. So nice focaccia. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah, full of olive oil. and. Yep, some God. different fillings. 
<laughs> okay well yeah i'll let that pass i'll let that pass it's a little bit of a cheat answer but we'll take it so you've basically got a massive focaccia and assorted yes. fillings yes all right you, you can have that should you you can have that what about you may come on what, what are you going to add to the culinary list yeah i feel so much in common with Chia. we got the same cleverness because i would pick a hot pot Ooh, oh. so because literally you can you can cook anything, anything in, in the hot pot <laughs> So Within I will reason. have enough nutrition for the rest of my Brilliant. life. Well, you could, that is, that's pushing it, mate. That's pushing it. I mean, you could go <laughs> fish, all kinds of meat, you can potatoes, all kinds of vegetables. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I'll let you have it because I'm in a good mood. Uh, Thanks. But <laughs> Thank you. Sandwich in a hot pot. Okay, you can have it. Um, so my final, final question is, and the only reason I ask this question is thanks to Sergio Gonzalez, our Unreal and 3D trainer, who we, episode, we interviewed on episode one. And, the question I, he wished I'd asked him was what music does he listen to when he works? And since that episode, we've created a Spotify playlist based on the daily's questions. So I'm going to ask you, what's, is there a go-to artist or type of music that you listen to while you're working, should you, when you're not in dailies or interacting with humans? I don't think I, I can listen to music while working, to be honest. Like oh, I tried okay. and uh, I just can't focus with music. Is this an animation so thing? Because I interviewed Daniel Mizuguchi for episode two of the podcast. Yeah. And he said the exact same thing. Yeah, because sometimes you're dealing with dialogues and stuff. And uh, mm. even if you're in the mood, like you, you just have to break it. And then you have to like keep it just breaks the focus for me. I know like a lot of people can uh, like animate listening to music. But I tried and now it doesn't work for me. I, oh, I it just doesn't <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that, but it's a really, really good point. Is that the same for you, May, or do you get to... I absolutely no the same. I, I cannot hear anything. Yeah. No, I cannot even hear people talking. I need to be really in the silence. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, i tell you what, uh, outside of the recording, if you want to send me a favorite song for the playlist, then I'll, at least we can, we can get that on. At least you can have your, your music tastes represented. So thank you both. That brings us to the end of part one of our episode. But obviously you're going to rejoin us for part two, where May, I'm going to have a break from asking all these questions and you're going to go in with your unknown questions. So uh, yeah, should you have been spoilt with the, the, pre, the, uh, the pre-sent questions that you've had to prepare for, but May's going to go in with who knows what May's going to cover. So uh, we'll pause it there and uh, thank, thank you both. And we'll see you, see you again on Thursday. Thank you. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Fame Store podcast this Thursday, where May takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews Shuji. We'll see you then. Music